0: Hey, that's uh, that's pretty good. The Raptors winning a game. <laughs> I know it's been few and far between this season, but they win a game, especially lately, by the way, but they win this one, 117-105 against the Portland Trail Blazers in Toronto. If they're turning this season around, I suppose this is probably the start. I think uh, a pretty good game from Pascal Siakam, a really, really good game from Scotty. They have, you know, contributions from everybody on the roster, basically. Some downhill playmaking from Malachi flynn some finishing from Christian Coloco, Fred Van vliet and OG Nanobi hitting light shots, you know, Gary Tran Junior providing the offensive punch that he often does. Just thad with some defense, charges, getting out on the break, you know, assists that all that kind of stuff. They managed to find it in this game. So that was really nice to see. I'm Samson Folk. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. And it is, of course, brought to you by Goldfinger Law. And hey, you go with Goldfinger Law. And you know why? Because when you go with them, you only pay if you win. And obviously, we can all recognize the benefits of only paying when you win. You can go with them, do your lawsuit, do that whole thing. And if you lose, you don't pay. So that's nice. That's a good thing. And uh, if you want to do that, go 416-730-1777. Okay, so the Raptors, here we are. Now, 17-23, and still six games below five hundred. Still not in the playoff picture, I don't believe. And certainly not in the playoff picture, but not even in the play-in picture. This season has been a slog. This season has been rife with controversy. It has had not that many enjoyable moments, I think, for the fan base. And even in a game as good as this one as far as process for the Raptors, It was muddled in a bit of controversy since, you know, Thaddeus Young and Scotty Barnes got into a bit of a a kerfuffle, not a shouting match, not a shoving match, nothing of that sort. But they were exchanging words of sorts. They looked upset at halftime. Somebody caught it on camera. And uh, so for anybody wondering about that, we talked to Nick and to Scotty about it after the game. Nick said he had no idea. Scotty said, oh, it's no big deal. He and Thad, they hugged, dapped up, and uh, that's his guy always. So that's of note for anybody who cared about that. But for people who care about the game, good things happened in this game. The Raptors played good defense, um, particularly guys like OG Ananobi early and often. I mean, Pascal Siakam late was a tremendous, like a game changer on defense. So that, <clears throat> So that was really cool to see and the Raptors just as a whole coming and, and Fred VanVleet as well like there was one play it didn't end up very well for the Raptors but it was just completely stonewalling Josh Hart on like a pump and go and he stuck with him and made sure that you know Josh Hart couldn't get into the lane and he's Josh Hart was a burly dude as is Fred VanVleet but Josh Hart has you know significant amount of inches on him and they still they bashed together and Fred came out and did his thing Nice to see the defense kind of bounce back. They forced Dame into seven turnovers, I believe. Very nice to see the Raptors, especially OG at the point of attack bothering dame making sure that the raptors are able to move the the portland trailblazers onto these secondary actions move the ball into the hands of nurkic for example move the ball into the hands of josh hart or simons and while simons is a very prolific scorer and he's a quick twitch athlete and all that kind of stuff if he's going to be the guy deciding every possession for you you're going to lose something instead of dame so the raptors getting the ball out of his hands even though he still gets 23 shots up, I think they gave him that hyperactivity. Move the Blazers onto the other things. I think that's a big deal. The second biggest deal of this game, I think, has to be that Gary Trent Jr. and the bench. That Gary, Gary Trent plus four bench guys went on a huge run. At the end of the game, I think it finished at 21-20. Like They scored 21 with that unit. They allowed 20 at the end of both of their stints in the start of the second quarter and then in the second half. You would take that. You know, Gary Trent Jr., by getting a bunch of stops with guys like Precious Achua playing really nice defense during that stretch, with Gary Trent hitting a couple threes during that stretch, some runouts, you know, Precious having like that in and out lefty dribble, finishing through contact at the at the bucket, really great stuff to see there, turnovers, etc. That's so great for this team. This is what the Raptors want. And And we look at the minutes played, right? OG finishes with like 34. Scotty finishes with 29. Fred under 35. Gary a shade over 36. Pascal still at 38. But this is a team that finally found a bench for a game. And the guy who unlocked it on offense, I think, was more than anything Gary Trent Jr. And I don't know if this is sustainable. I don't know if this is something that's going to keep happening. But he had the shot making to keep them afloat. And they, as a unit, had the defense to make sure that, like, hey, we can outscore these guys because we're getting stops and we're getting runouts and stuff like that. So that was great to see thirdly the pick and roll i thought was awesome in this game they got more out of it than they typically do with different handlers and different rollers you have scotty rolling coloco rolling thad rolling precious catching a lob after malachi flynn gets downhill after a split in the pick and roll i think he comes in off the weak side so that's not really rolling but that's dunker spot behavior and i think that was awesome to see especially the diversity of it it's not just like hey we have you know, this one thing working, it's Pascal and he's running it with like Fred and, you know, they're going to run the ghost screen because Fred's not going to be rolling or they've discovered this is something I wrote about for the New Year's Day piece, what came out after New Year's Day. new year's resolutions piece is that i'd like to see more of pascal and scotty working in the pick and roll together because pascal's been pretty good at finding guys on the roll. he had one beautiful play you know he got he got the defense wide made the pocket pass and thad got blocked at the rim but you can see if you want a superstar if you want this type of high usage from pascal it's nice to give him that screen help to get him going downhill instead of just always these isolations, mano a mano, beat a double, all that kind of stuff. If you want to run spread, pick and roll, kind of space the floor, find a guy rolling. These are decisions. These are plays that have to be made. He's making them, but it wasn't just him either. It was a bunch of different guys on the roster, Fred Malachi, most notably. And then the fourth thing that comes to mind is Scotty is similar to the Indiana game. It's really nice for him. Because if there's one complaint, I think that if you were going to critique Pascal's game, right, it it would be offensively. There's not many critiques, but these would be the ones that he isn't a guy you can throw in spread, pick and roll, and he'll make like a bunch of great decisions, you know, get downhill and he'll, you know, maximize his roller and he'll always keep the guy on his back. Like he's not super, super polished in that play type. He continues to improve, but he's not super polished. And then like the pull up three, for example, that's the kind of stuff. Pacing is also a thing. Pascal, you know, he takes his time to get to spots on occasion. Scotty, for the most part, is a guy who really appreciates pace in an offense and likes to move guys onto certain actions and get the ball flowing. And when teams play Scotty in this deep drop, which now he's been getting for five or six games, he was getting it to some degree prior to that, but it's been exacerbated now. He is the guy who becomes a release valve all the time because he's operating in so much space. And that means that. While he's not a point guard in this sense, he's the guy who's getting the ball. He's the arbiter of these possessions. He's the guy who kind of decides how they go. He's the one, okay, I'm going to move the ball to this side of the floor. I'm going to option out of Fred and I'm going to move it on to Gary because I like moving it like this weak side or sorry empty side action here i'm gonna go for this then we'll reset and i'll get the ball in even a little bit more space because handing off to gary and getting that reset dropped the big even a little bit lower now i can come into a free throw line jumper like that kind of stuff and the the two-man games that he's been able to play with with fred with gary with pascal with og all these guys it has gotten him more involved in the offense even if it's not like spamming pick and roll and getting him downhill and doing all this kind of stuff, stuff he's not necessarily good at yet in his career. You're letting him kind of choose his own adventure each time up the floor. It features him. It gets a big body into the screening game. It gets a really good passer into the, you know, the passing game, the great Nolik pass downhill, the great Gary Trent Jr. That stuff is fantastic. And it doesn't have to be him against Brook Lopez, like crab dribbling in the lane and then body, 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 leaning hook over top of him. It's like, this is a guy who is multifaceted in his approach to the basketball game. This is a guy who is talented in a lot of ways that bigs aren't and missing some of the talents that a lot of lead ball handlers do. He's still developing who's to say he won't get there, right? But for the time being, you put him in positions where he gets to play in space against big men, and he'll be able to play in that space rather than some of these possessions where we see him on ball and there's combos that go nowhere. It's against similar sized wings and he can't create. This is a little bit more in tune with what he's good at right now. And that doesn't mean he stops developing other areas. It just means like you get to have him more involved in the offense. That's something, this is a byproduct of teams playing this type of defense against the Raptors. It makes Scotty think, it gives Scotty more of the ball, it lets him process more of the court. I think this is awesome for his development because whatever he ends up being, point guard, whatever, I know people argue about that. If he gets those possessions in the future and he kills it, awesome. But this means that you can run different types of offenses with Scotty Barnes, at the very least, right? So I love that and I thought he was awesome in that role tonight. Pascal became kind of the, I guess, the high-volume guy, as he often is in, in these games, the Raptors. The offense wasn't popping the whole game. I mean, man, they had great stretches, and and Pascal wasn't necessarily the most efficient down the stretch especially. I think he struggled a little bit. Josh Hart played really great defense on him. A couple shots didn't go down got lucky on a couple, especially the one where he airballed and Christian Coloco got it and put it back up. But on the other side of the floor, I thought Pascal was really tremendous. Like he forced two steals, one on ball, isolating against Damian Lillard, which is a big deal. Dame is one of the best offensive players in the NBA, the weak side block, and then forcing you know a turnover on the other one. It's like this is what most people think of when they think of Pascal Siakam's defensive playmaking. He really turns it up late in games Um, a really easy I guess example is the the triple block uh, or sorry double block on Jimmy Butler right and he's had a bunch of plays down the stretch of games I think it's one of his strong one of the strongest aspects of his defenses he can step out on a lot of guys Damian Lillard Jason Tatum you know Trey Young if it's not OG these guys he can get after them for one possession a couple possessions and while he doesn't get that check the whole game it's just something that he can get out and do. He can help out on the glass. He can like cover over for a weak side block. All this stuff. He can jump a passing lane. All this stuff is super, super great. And he was really great defensively down the stretch. And then in the middle of the game, I think, well, especially that first quarter, actually, just went berserk on some guys in isolation. Some of the spin moves he pulled out, which isn't necessarily his go-to anymore. But when he brought it out, man, he, he put him in the spin cycle. It was awesome. And Fred, maybe we're looking at this is a really nice game for him because, yes, there's a bit of playmaking out of the pick and roll. Yes, he's bringing the ball up on occasion, but sprinting out, filling lanes on others. And he takes 12 shots in this game, nine of them from three. But he hits four out of those nine. That is what we want to see, especially late. Two threes come late, one from the corner, I believe, one above the break. It's just like having – I've talked about this ad nauseum, right? Having the ball come out to him late in these possessions and it ends up in his hands used to be something where people are like, hell yes, this is a really great outcome for a possession. Is Fred Van Vliet's one of the best catch and shoot players in the NBA? The ball is in his hands. There's few better outcomes for an NBA offense as far as like getting open looks for a shooter. Fred was that guy for a long time, hasn't been for about the last, I don't know, six months of his basketball career. And this is something that he's going to have to get back. He's going to have to get right but in this game he was and so he provides a little bit of playmaking he provides shot making punch at the end of these plays and i thought the defense was really good so that was really nice to see og it's a similar thing og's defense is so just it's there and it's always there and it's never not going to be there and i'm using the term there a lot but he's great point of attack he, he continues to make players fumble the ball. He continues to move players out of the primary actions that they want to get into. Off ball, he continues to blow up actions, you know, that like pick sixes, steal the point to wing, steal the wing to point. When offenses just want to move the ball onto something else, OG is always creeping and waiting, you know, to, to blow something up. So once again, really great. Hit a late three as well. And while... I think everybody's been noticing that OG has gotten less of the ball lately and there's been less room for his on-ball reps. Um, there were some nice moves that he made downhill, coming off a of pick and roll, coming off a of DHO, both of them on the right side of the floor. And, uh, you know, like a little hesitation before he got to the rim for the, I guess it would be the, the two foul shots on that that deceleration on that one leg, pop and float. And then uh, just that, that pull-up jumper from the mid-range going to his right. It was really nice to see. Coloco, this was my favorite Coloco game, I think, uh, of his young career. I know there's that big, big block game against Chicago, and I watched some of that film with him when I did that piece with him, and he really liked that game too. But this one where not only is he able to help his teammates out as a guy rotating over at the rim. Sure, he had lots of fouls in this game, but being a presence, rotating over, being a presence in the passing lanes. And also, even when he's switching, and I love when they use Cloak on switches, especially as kind of just like to throw it in there because he's a lot faster than a lot of NBA players think. He keeps up with guards and wings better than they expect. They don't get the shot they want. Really nice to see as far as that goes. But also is offensively in the dunker spot, doing better as a roller, doing better, drawing some fouls finishing plays this is a guy who had been blocked on like 30 percent of his dunk attempts in the nba to this point right and lately he's going up a little bit stronger he's learning about the spacing how to manipulate and carve out space for himself with pivots with the gather dribble all that kind of stuff so that he doesn't have guys just strictly meeting him at the top and it's like strength versus strength and he's so young he's not going to win that yet he has to manipulate using his length and do some earlier work carving space out for himself so he can finish with less with less of a contest at the top. And he was awesome in this game as far as that goes. Malachi Flynn, you know, a, a few plays made out of the pick and roll. One just straight to a roller, one to, you know, when it comes to Precious, you know, coming in from that weak side for the lob. Flynn also getting to the bucket for a left-handed layup. Sure, he missed his threes in this game, but it's nice to have that downhill threat. I think that's a really big deal for his game. And so that was really nice. I enjoyed that immensely. Uh, So well done, Malachi. And yeah, as I said with Thad and and with Boucher and with Precious, you're looking at just really nice defensive stints from these guys. And the offense will come and go as they're reliant on other people. Like there's nice plays made. I talked about Precious, like that in-and-out dribble, then finishing at the bucket. He also had the lob that he caught. Boucher hits a three, At a point in the game when the Raptors really needed a bucket to go down, the ball came out to Boucher and it was like at the wing and he hits a three. That's really nice. He also had a weak side block that was really nice. And Nick Nurse at media the other day was talking about how he wanted more blocks from Chris, for example. Precious, Thad, Chris, when they share the floor, there's a lot of length, there's a lot of tenacity, and a lot of smarts as well. Um, I know people don't think about them that way. That's not the first thing that comes to mind. But I think that Precious... Man, Precious is a way, way, is such great feel for the defensive end of the floor. I think it's underrated. Chris, when this scheme is running properly, really knows the beats and the rhythms and where to be and how to be chaotic within it. And, and Thad, I think, is the guy who most people think of when it comes to that. But they operated the way that they needed to against the Blazers. I just, I was really impressed with that three. So I'm coming off the bench. Wancho, very quiet performance. Um, and that's Okay. It doesn't have to be the biggest performance ever, but it is uh, it is what it is. And the Raptors, you know, some really strong runs in this game. Um, one of the best starts they've had to a game in a really long time, not only with the starters creating a lead, but the bench coming out and, Building on it, and then on top of that, closing the game, it gets a little bit close. The Gary plus bench unit doesn't work out well. The Raptors kind of have to fight and stop the momentum of the Blazers with Dame. They figure it out. They close it out with shot making, with defense from a bunch of different players on the roster. coloco he, he's closing the game. His defense is there. He's finishing some plays. He's he's getting in the mix. Just good stuff happening for the Raptors in this game. It was really nice to see because there hasn't been that much of that going around lately. The Reggie Evans Award, I want to give it to Scotty Barnes. I thought his hustle in this game was awesome. I thought that he was really impressive. Not only, as I said, the arbiter of what goes on on offense, moving the Raptors to different spots on the floor, helping them decide that. But, you know, work on the glass, three steals, two blocks. Like, there's a lot of work out on there on the floor from Barnes in this game. So I, I leave this game left the arena, very impressed with what Scotty was able to do. And it's, he's such an alluring player because he can sprinkle in these skills and, and impact all over the court. And he's still, of course, searching for the most consistent way to do things. And he's still, of course, searching for the skills on the court that most easily translate to superstardom and all this kind of stuff. But I tell you this much, it's important to be able to do stuff on the NBA floor. And even him, when I talked about it after the game with him and asked him about you know setting the screens and setting the pace, and he says, like, that's something I take pride in. That's something I want to be able to do for my teammates, open up space. So it was really nice to see. I, um, I thought it, it was an awesome performance from him. Top quick reaction comment is from Spanish Superfly, quote, that's it, Scotty. This kid has got the potential to impact every aspect of the game. Knock him for who he is right now, a second-year player, if you want to. But when this kid gets his act together and develops his game, he's going to be scary for us, end quote. Uh, that's very similar to the the little, I guess, uh, the little tangent I went on. Yeah, he was impacting the game in a bunch of different ways today. And I know that there's been stories Uh, about work ethic there's been even as i said at at halftime when he and thad get into it and it becomes for the internet an opportunity for everybody to project what they think their preconceived notions of both scotty and thad um many people scotty's subscribers on twitch his fan base uh, skews younger um, immediately saying like that is an old head who's washed who doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, many people as well saying Scotty's a diva, all this kind of stuff. And the truth is that neither of those are true, I don't think. And Scotty, I, I know he has a a big persona sometimes and a smaller persona other times. He's he's hard to get a read on in the public eye but he's just a kid working, getting after it in basketball. And some games he doesn't have the best games, some games he has tremendous games, and this is what it is to be a young player. He's, He's certainly not one of those guys like LeBron James who steps into the league and every game is an impact game and it's so clear that he's a superstar from day one. It's not that level, but this is a player who has a chance at it, superstardom, and he's going to continue to work his way there it's going to look different than a lot of players. He's not going to be a typical star if he gets there. He's not gonna be a typical superstar if he gets there. He's going to be a guy who has his finger or his hands in a bunch of different cookie jars trying to find impact as many ways as he can. and He'll continue to do so. So Spanish Superfly, thanks for writing in. Listener, thank you for listening. Uh, If you're on YouTube, like the video, subscribe. If you are, uh, well, actually make sure to go to raptorsrepublic.com and subscribe to the website for my written work, Lewis Asman's written work. It's our best work, in my opinion. And if you're listening on the podcast channel, thanks for tuning in and let me chop it up with you. If you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.